Hello, this is Dr. Patrick Porter, and welcome back to Brain Tap. Today, I have a very special guest, and one that we don't always get to do. I, I actually went to your office and got to see this wonderful technology at work that you've put together and, and kind of done things. And who I'm talking about here is Dr. Andrew Peterson. So, Dr. Peterson, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, what got you into the medical field, and how you thought so differently. I mean, what you do is so different than what we typically see in a DO's office. Yeah, sure. Thank, Patrick, thank you for having me on this show. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, how I grew up. Um, my, my dad was in the military. Um, we lived all over. And it's sort of ironic, um, you know, when you're growing up an army brat, the only doctor you see is when you go into like the sort of, it's just, I guess it's like an urgent care, right? And I didn't have any idea, being a naive child, that there were other kinds of doctors. Um, I always loved uh, science. I loved talking to people. That's probably my favorite thing to do is talk to people. And so I, and I, and, and I, because we moved around so much, we were going to move for my senior year. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a senior at a new school. So I'll just skip my senior year of high school and go to college. So I did that. And I had never taken a biology class in high school. I, that's because of the move and the transitions. I missed the ninth grade biology and then my new school biology was in, in, as a senior. At any rate, I finally took a biology class in, uh, in my freshman year of college and was fascinated. Um, the, uh, because I was so young and so naive, I thought to myself, oh, I wanna do something in this line of work. Um, I wonder what I could do where I would be involved with people and at the same time, uh, biology. And, and only two thoughts came to mind I, because I was so naive. I was like, well, I guess if my grades are good, I'll be a doctor. And if they're not quite as good, then I'll be a school teacher. Um, that was, that was like, those are the only two choices, right? Um, of course, I must have had good enough grades. I went on and became a physician. But really, I almost feel like what I enjoyed more was the teaching aspect of being a school teacher. And so, as a physician, I, I went to the University of uh, North Texas for medicine. Then I went to Penn State for residency. Um, and what I really enjoyed was spending time talking to my patients and educating them about what was going on physiologically in their body. Um, that um, experience of wanting to spend time talking to my patients and really help them understand what was going on, I think is what changed my practice. It didn't happen right away, but it happened over the course of several years i didn't i certainly didn't start out practicing integrated medicine mm -hmm. and that was one of my questions is what had you shift from just working with um, the typical patient to working with the chronically ill patients that you work with now that i mean you're almost on their last leg if you will and you're you're kind of reviving their life and re restoring their vitality yeah yeah um so I went into family medicine, again, probably indecisiveness. I thought, I like all these aspects of medicine. I like surgery, I like emergency medicine, I like family medicine, I like OBGYN. It, it all seems amazing to me. Um, and so I went to a residency in family medicine. And then I thought, well, if I really wanna practice the full scope of medicine, I better practice in a rural town. Because if I were to practice in a big city, I'd get pigeonholed. And, I don't get to do any of the things that the specialists do, right? I would just refer them to the specialist. So I practiced in a little tiny town in Texas, in the panhandle of Texas. We were very remote, about five hours to Dallas, three hours to Lubbock, three hours to Oklahoma City, two hours to Amarillo, really in the middle of nowhere. And it was me and a friend of mine who had gone to med school with who were the only two doctors in town. And we <laughs> got to do everything. 
And these farmers, they did not want to go somewhere else to get their care. So I found myself um, reattaching toes, reattaching ears. Um, these are things that should go to a hand specialist or a plastic surgeon. I found myself taking care of people that, you know, I'd say, look, you need to go down to UT Southwestern because you've got this autonomic dysfunction. You keep passing out and no one can figure out what it is. And I've sent you to the cardiologist that's two hours away, but no one can figure it out. And they'd go and they'd make these really long trips. And maybe the, the distance that they had to travel is what said to me, something doesn't sit right. There's more to this. They'd travel five or six hours to go down to Baylor, for example. And they'd come back and the diagnosis wasn't any different than what I gave them. And all that had happened was the physician changed from one brand of medicine to another. And I thought, this is crazy. I know I don't know as much as the specialists know, so there must be, there must be some disconnect. Um, so I started to go to my continuing medical education, which we're always required to do to stay current during licensure. Started to go to some uh, CME um, that looked more into the endocrine system and why do people have problems with their fatigue or their um, uh, sort of menopause symptoms and why is it that um, uh, people have degenerative joint disease that we can't seem to fix. Um, Again, living in this little tiny town, it gave me a lot of autonomy. There was not an orthopedic surgeon for two hours, so no one was gonna tell me, hey, you can't inject that person's knee with uh, you know, platelet-rich plasma because you're not a specialist. So we started to do, my partner and I started to do some of these things and seeing the patients travel these distances and not get any change made me say, well, I think the problem is the medical system, it's not the patients. So I better learn more if I'm gonna help these people um, so after um, having, and, and you know, my, my partner and I were, it was a small hospital, right? 13 beds. Um, <laughs> I was the chief of staff for two or three years, then he'd be the chief of staff, then I'm the chief. <laughs> we get to do whatever, you know, where I'm, I'm in charge, I'm the boss. No one's going to say, don't do that. Um, we had uh, patients that would uh, go to the VA for their orthopedic care coming in and we're giving them injections in their knee of Synvisc and platelet-rich plasma and growth hormone, which was really unheard of. We weren't, you know, we're just accepting their insurance to do this because the synvis was covered. The other things weren't covered, but we had people coming from as far away as Houston, Texas, and that was about a nine hour drive um, because we were doing these innovative things. We didn't really even know how, I guess, innovative we were being. But what happened was, doing some of these things and seeing these patients start to get better by taking care of their thyroid better or taking care of their hormones better. Um, it, it really shed light on the fact that the, uh, what's typically done in a medical office only scratches the surface of what should be done. Instead of treating health, what we mostly treat is disease. And, and once that became apparent to me that we're not really doing anything to help people be healthy. All we're doing is waiting for them to get sick and then papering over those symptoms with some sort of a medication. That's when I started to change my practice. Um, around that same time, my father-in-law turned 80 and my, my wife is the youngest of seven and she's the only daughter. And so we uh, moved to Utah to be closer to my in-laws so that we could um, really just look after and care for them. Um, so I started a practice at that point that was purely an integrative practice. Um, once you're willing to think outside the box and take care of patients to try and help them be healthy as opposed to 
just treat their disease and their disease symptoms. Um, the floodgates open, people come and see you and say, oh, you'll listen. And I, and I think that goes back to that experience that I had as a freshman in college. I really like to talk to people. You talk to people, what you really want to do is find out about it. I know you speak all over the country, maybe even all over the world, um, to your profession and to others. So what is it that you primarily coach other, other professionals that, that they are, you're such a sought after speaker? Um, I, I don't know why I'm sought after, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it's because we do need to have a paradigm shift in medicine of listening to our patients. And if we'll do that, um, we'll actually help. Uh, there's been a paternalistic sort of attitude in medicine for years and years, and that has actually changed. I'm not a pioneer in changing that, I don't think. Maybe I'm, I'm on the tail end of being a pioneer. But it's been a really difficult change to say, wait a minute, the patient should be the person that's in charge here. We work for them. Um, and part of the reason why that's such a problem is because we have a medical system where actually doctors don't work for their patients. Doctors work for the insurance company. The insurance company pays them. The patient may pay for the insurance, but the doctor's at the mercy of the insurance company for what they're supposed to do. And so there's a, there's a disconnect and there's an inability for doctors to truly work for their patients because their patients aren't um, holding the purse string. And so I think that's part of why the problem persists. Um, as patients start to say, I love this, like you look online and there's all these websites for how do I, uh, the life hacking, right? Um, and it's because people are now beginning to take back over ownership for their health instead of saying, well, what's in my healthcare benefits? What does Humana cover? What is Aetna gonna cover? They don't look at, they're starting to not look at it that way and they're starting to say, what matters for my health? And so if we as physicians start to say, how can I listen to my patient and uh, fulfill the need they have, instead of simply say, oh, well on the checklist, I'm supposed to check their blood pressure and their, and their cholesterol and talk to them about not smoking. In Texas, when I worked for the, and uh, I would, you know, patients would come in and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, well, I already know they don't smoke. He exercises and he's pretty healthy. What am I going to do for him? Right? Because none of the things on my checklist mattered. That's because I was in that old model of I'm working for their insurance company and what's on the list? Nothing that matters. Nothing that pertains to this guy because he's he's taking care of himself. What's what's crazy is that person that's taking care of themselves by eating right by meditating by paying attention to their relationships by getting enough sleep all of those things that make us healthy there are things that i could have done for him and i just didn't know it at that time and now i know now there are things that i can do for him um, that are actually anti-aging i can do things that will help his cellular function help his detoxification pathways and that's what he wanted me to do you know years ago when he would come to the doctor in texas i just didn't know because i didn't work for him i worked for his insurance company so I guess to answer the question, if I'm sought after, it would be because I'm trying to help. And doctors, doctors feel this because we're people, right? And we say, oh, that makes sense. I need to connect with my patients in a way that they need me, instead of just say, oh, I work for Humana, and this is what they want me to do for them. That's great. I know at Whole Health Medical Group, which is there in, in Utah, as you say, you have, a, you have certain 
patients that you see there. Can you tell us a little bit about what is your most common patient and what do you, what, if I was to look you up on the internet, which is wholehealthmedicalgroup.com, what would I find there if, if I was seeking out services? There? Yeah, that's a great question. I've tried to explain this uh, a number of different ways. And I think the way I have the most success with is um, if people are familiar with the bell curve, right? A bell curve goes sort of like this. In the middle, you've got your, your middle like 70%. And then you get out to the edges and you got about um, 14% on either side. And then those two very, after the second standard deviation, you've got the top three and the bottom 3%. And that's really who we see because the healthiest 3% or 5% of the country, those are people, the reason they're healthy is because they want to be healthy. They do things proactively to feel better. And those people seek out doctors like myself who say, hey, you know, I'm not just going to check your cholesterol. I'm going to do an extensive battery of labs that's going to tell me what is your homocysteine? What's your genetic profile, your methylation, your COMT genes? How well do you make neurotransmitters? All of those sorts of things. And so we see a large contingency of those patients. Probably 40% of my patients I would categorize as anti-aging. And they have taken it upon themselves and said, look, there's a lot of things I can spend my money on, but the thing that matters to me is how I feel. And so I'm gonna use some of my resources to buy a supplement or to buy a, a product that will help me feel better or to be on medications that really help as opposed to just paper over the symptom. The other 60%, and, and it's sad to me that this is the case, sad for them, um, but the other 60% of my patients are chronically ill patients. Um, and that's the case because they're in that bottom 3% of health. They are the sickest of the sick. The current medical system fails to help them with what they have. If you go to the doctor with fibromyalgia, or chronic fatigue syndrome, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, or Lyme disease, or even something as common as menopause, the medical system doesn't have a, they, they are not structured for you. Um, and that's a shame. And we marginalize a lot of those people, even depression. You know, we say, oh, well, here, take some Zoloft. Oh, that didn't work. We'll take some Selects. Oh, that didn't work. And we just go through this list of pills. And if we get to the end of the list of pills, we're like, well, I'm sorry. Right. And that's, that's really a travesty. So a huge chunk of my patients are those people because the thing that we do is we personalize what's going on. Right, and, and there actually is a physiologic cause for every one of those things I just listed. What we fail in Western medicine to do is look for the physiologic cause. Um, and, and whether that's diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis or depression, there's an underlying thing happening physiologically. And I shouldn't say, oh look, I did the hard work of giving you the right diagnosis. And based on what my medical school training was, this is the pill to help you. That's, that's a failed model. What I should do is I should say, look, I've investigated all of the physiology that's going on in your body. And with you as a patient that has fibromyalgia, you've got pain, you've got headaches, you've got fatigue, um, you've got nausea, uh, all these problems. Well, let's take a look and see what's happening. Your thyroid's low, your hormones are a mess, you've got chronic Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, Lyme disease, Bartonella, you've got toxins, you've got high heavy metals, this is a long list of problems. I can't fix it just by giving you some thyroid. And I certainly can't fix it by giving you a pain pillar and antidepressant. But let's go through those one at a time and let's treat each of those different things. Let's help you detoxify. Let's help support your immune system. Let's help uh, 
improve your mindset. That's a huge thing for these people that are chronically ill is they start to, that's who, that's how they define themselves. And when I can start to overcome that, uh, that's how you and I connected is with BrainTap. When I can start to overcome how they have defined themselves as a sick person and that that's who they are, they can really begin to heal. And until they can do that, um, it's, it's almost, uh, they have defined their limitations by saying, this is who I am, I am, I am an ill person. Because I think people um, that are healthy define themselves in lots of ways. You know, I'm a guitarist, I'm a singer, I'm, a, I'm an athlete, I'm a dad, I'm a doctor. All these different things that we say, this is who I am. But you talk to somebody with chronic illnesses and they say, I'm a Lyme patient, or um, I'm, I'm, I'm a disappointment to my family because I can't get out of bed. And it's heartbreaking um, as a as a physician to have to to take these patients that have been marginalized to that extent and try to help them see and say, no, that's not true. I'm a mom, or I'm a, I'm a student, or I'm a pianist. Um, whatever thing they used to love. I have so many dancers and gymnasts that pushed their body to the limit and then they fell apart and they don't say I'm a gymnast anymore. And, and that breaks my heart. And so with uh, with brain tap, when you can get them to start to have that um, recovery, that emotional recovery of saying, oh, I'm not a sick person, I'm a person that has an illness, that's okay. But I'm on, I'm a thousand other important things. Um, they can start to, they can start to heal. Um, but it's, it's, it's that holistic approach. It's that holistic approach of saying, how's your immune system? What infections do you have that, that you're not act adequately fighting? Uh, how's your ability to detoxify? What toxin levels do you have? How's your, uh, how's your endocrine system handling this? How are your neurotransmitters? With, do you have enough GABA and serotonin to feel at peace? Do you have enough dopamine to feel like you should get out of bed? And when you look at all of those things, it's so rewarding to see people improve um, over over time. So that's those are my patients. The, the patients that are easy are the anti-aging patients, and the patients that are really um, meaningful, motivating, and make me get out of bed in the morning are the patients where I say, wow, I think I made a difference. Right. I, in talking with you, um, I understand that you, you have an intention at least to go out and train other doctors who have the same mindset, you know, that might be um, tired of the old checklist and looking for something new. Tell us a little bit about your plans of expansion and, and educating, because I do think we need to kind of shake up the, the medical community because uh, if not, everybody's going to be so sick, we're not going to be a country anymore. I think it's going to cripple the economy. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So I have a number of physicians that, uh, you know, when you go to these CME conferences, you can talk to other doctors, you're like, wow, this is so refreshing to know that there are physicians that care about making things better. And so I've got a friend of mine, Paul Savage, who's in Chicago. Um, another friend of mine, Gary Hubner, who's in Ohio. Another friend, Kent Holtorf, who's in California. And we talk together at these conferences and we will get on the phone together and say, okay, how are we going to make this, how are we going to make this different, right? How are we going to change medicine so that people really can, one, be healed from these chronic illnesses, whether it's 
those things I listed or things that you wouldn't even think of like type one diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease or depression, which affects 25% of our nation, right? Or obesity, which affects now 50% of our nation or 40% at least. Um, how are we gonna change that? Well, what we talk about is, look, we need to have a consortium of physicians that do this and that are bringing in more and more doctors. Um, I'm a member of ILADS, that's the um, International Lyme and Associated Disease Society. And I joined ILADS, I think six or seven years ago, when I saw my first Lyme patient and said, oh my heavens, this person can't get out of bed and they have joint pain and they have headaches, they have cognitive dysfunction because of this infection, I better learn about it. Um, it turns out their problem is far more than just that one bacterial spirochete. But joining ILADS was a big deal because they're sort of marginalized and those doctors are the pariahs, the, the, the kooky doctors. <laughs> well, every year since I joined, I have paid for another physician to go with me so that they can learn about these patients. Um, I just make it a, a, an important thing to sponsor helping other people go sort of open their eyes. I think I do that because my partner that was in Texas he went to a conference before I did on anti-aging and he came back with so much enthusiasm and he said, you have to go to this. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, there's this other conference. It's in Florida. My kids want to go to Disney. <laughs> just, just go. I know this is in Chicago and I know that's not as pretty and it's November and it might be cold, but suck it up and go. And I did. And I wouldn't have done that if somebody had not proselytized me and said, you have to go learn this because you owe it to owe it to yourself you're not you your integrity as a physician isn't what it could be if you don't learn this so um, currently we're looking at sort of changing our footprint from whole health medical group to a, a larger group of physicians who work together because there are things like I mentioned dr. Savage or dr. Hubner there are things that they know that I don't know yet you know and that's medicine it's funny because we collaborate. When I worked with Dr. Hackey at the, uh, at the hospital in Texas, we collaborated. Well, when I started my own practice, you're on an island because nobody wants to be associated with this guy that's going to do things differently, right? So I'll call the other physicians here in Utah and they're like, oh, he's that kooky doctor, right? <laughs> we, we have to sort of look for each other and say, hey, I'm willing to think outside the box. And then I can get on the phone at any moment and call or text these other docs, even though they're cities away. Um, and it's gonna improve the life of my patients right here in Utah. And I have patients that live probably in at least 30 of the 50 states. I have patients that fly to my office. I have patients that fly to my office from outside the country. I've got a lot of patients from Canada. I've got patients from Mexico. And I collaborate with physicians in other countries, um, in, in Mexico and in Peru, because there are things that we can't do here in the United States that the science supports. They can do them in Europe. They can do them in, you know, they can do them in uh, Asia, Korea, Japan. They can do them in South America, but we can't do them here yet. And so I, I think patients should be given choices. They shouldn't be given uh, limitations. I don't, I don't necessarily say you need to go to see my friend, Dr. Morales in Puerto Vallarta, but I say, here are the things that science has proven. Um, and these are the things that you can't do here. So if you want to do um, a stem cell treatment that we don't offer, here are some of your choices, right? And then let people, I think, should, I'm a bit of a libertarian, people should be able to choose. Mm -hmm. I agree too. So I know that just recently you were featured in, in on the television. I mean, we, we heard about it and then you called us a couple days later because our, uh, our footprint's pretty big in the United States too. And they said, hey, this, there's this group in 
in Utah and they showed the brain tap on the television and things like that. So tell us a little bit about that treatment plan because I think that is very different. Just to give the uh, the audience a little bit of an idea of how um, how you're into that field of infinite possibility of choosing other things that most doctors wouldn't even consider. Sure, and I feel silly for not even mentioning that. This is something that we started doing 18 months ago with one particular patient, but now it's blossomed and we've done this for uh, scores of patients now. I mean, we're, we're at at least 25, somewhere between 20 and 40 patients. We started treating addiction with amino acids. Um, had a patient who had done a lot of harm to his brain with drug use and began to have a drug-induced schizophrenia hallucinating constantly um, and when you do what I do you do just a lot of reading to say what could help because I know what's going on with his brain he's not making enough serotonin and GABA and he's making dopamine like crazy and that excess dopamine is making him hallucinate um, what can help fix this and amino acids are the building blocks of these neurotransmitters um, everybody's heard the story about turkey makes you sleepy well, we only hear that because we're sleepy after Thanksgiving dinner. It's not the turkey, it's eating too much. But turkey does have a thing in it called tryptophan. And tryptophan is the building block for serotonin. And serotonin becomes melatonin and melatonin makes us sleep, right? And so it's true. If I have tryptophan, and you can get it in a lot of foods besides turkey, I'm not gonna have as much depression because I'll have serotonin and I'll sleep better because I'll have melatonin. And if I have zero tryptophan, I'm gonna have neurotransmitter problems, right? So we started a program, uh, we call it Whole Health Recovery. And we treat now patients that have opiate addiction, um, methamphetamine addiction, alcohol addiction. What's been most remarkable to me is process addictions, pornography addiction, gambling addiction, food addiction. Those things respond just as well. And that's because in our brain, we have a reward loop. And in the reward loop, it's built in because we're biological, we need to survive. Right, And so there are certain things that we get a reinforcement signal. We get a reinforcement signal from novelty because that's how we learn. We get a reinforcement signal from friendship because that's what keeps us safe. We get a reinforcement signal from sex because that's what keeps the genes going. And we get a reinforcement signal from food because that keeps us alive. We can hijack that reinforcement chain and it can be hijacked with those things that we become addicted to, right? People don't become addicted to celery because it doesn't hijack the system but people could become addicted to porn, and people could become addicted to food, and people could become addicted to a whole list of drugs. Why the drugs? Well, the drugs, because it affects, it just it just sort of plops into that, that dopamine chain, right? Um, and so IV amino acids in combination with appropriate um, psychotherapy to help people figure out and manage the day-to-day, -day, what triggered me to do that the first time? What was I lacking? Why did I go to cake when I was sad? Or why did I go to, I meant uh, birthday cake. Um, or why did I go to opiates? Or why did I you know, turn to um, gambling when I felt lonesome? Well, that's where I started using BrainTap more than anything. And it's exceptional. I mean, I gotta tell you, my patients that, uh, that we treat for, uh, I would say cigarettes were the one where I said, look, take this home use it every single day. They never have a craving. Once they've done their IV amino acids and they do their brain tap, I can't tell you the number of people that are like, yeah, I don't, I mean, it doesn't even cross my mind. And once they're away from cigarette smoke for a certain period of time, they're like, yeah, it smells kind of bad, right? Then they're repulsed by it. Um, alcoholics, the same exact thing. And what's remarkable too is 
a lot of patients have sort of come out of the woodwork and said, look, I haven't had a drink or I haven't used cocaine um, in 10 years, but I still think about it every day. I still struggle every day, but I'm strong, I'm white knuckling it and I'm powering through. Well, we do the IV amino acids with them and then we start them on BrainTap and we do, we have a, a psychologist who's at the University of Utah, Dr. Trish Henry, and we have this program and they're like, this is, I now feel like I'm actually cured. This idea of once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It turns out it wasn't true. Just nobody was able to heal my actual pathology. The underlying biology wasn't treated. And so we treat it, we get their biology right, then we get their psychology right, and they're free. It's, it's really, really rewarding. So I love it. So how many other clinics do you think out there are doing something like this in the, in the world? Well, so the number of clinics that do IV amino acids is low. I would say in the world, oh, I can't find more than 10 on the internet, maybe 15. They're hard to find. But what I think they haven't done well is put together an entire program. And that's where doctors like Dr. Savage or Dr. Um, Holtorf or Dr. Moreno, we talk and say, look, we, we all, as innovative doctors, we find one thing that we're good at, but we don't build the whole program. And so... I'm lucky enough to have a number of people on my staff that are excited about building the program. And so the whole, the whole, the whole enchilada, there's not another place that I know of. Um, being able to partner with somebody that's on the um, university staff at the University of Utah, which their health science center is, is renowned. It's a good medical school. And to be able to partner with a psychologist on their faculty, um, I don't know that there's another program that has that sort of uh, dovetail into the mainstream. I actually was uh, one of the keynote speakers at a uh, narcotic addiction conference here in Utah that I was blown away that they would come and ask me to speak because what I do isn't mainstream. But after the conference, I can't tell you the number of um, not just physicians, but um, DEA officers and police officers that were like, wait a minute, so you're telling me that this is really, truly biological? That these people that I'm sort of throwing away as the dregs of society and we're putting them in jail, that if we could fix their biology, they could function and they're, they actually, when I, I see them and I see their broken families, they wanna be a good dad or a good mom? Of course they do, right? And to be able to talk to those people, that was really rewarding because I think if we can dovetail this into mainstream, um, we will have revolutionized uh, healthcare in America. That's really the next hurdle. It's not about finding out that these things are real. It's about helping them be accepted. You know, Semmelweis, and, and this will be an example that a lot of listeners maybe haven't heard of, but everybody gets to hear this story in medical school. There was a German physician named Semmelweis, and he showed all of his colleagues that the reason that the birth mortality was so high, the reason all the babies were dying that they were delivering this back in the 1700s, 1800s, is because they weren't washing their hands in between deliveries. And the midwives who would go into the patient's home, they just delivered one baby, no infant mortality. Well, he died in an insane asylum because he was marginalized and they said, you're nuts. We're not gonna wash our hands, that's absurd. That, that There's no science behind that. Well, that was before the germ theory of medicine, right? Mm -hmm. We need that same revolution. Once people start to say, oh wait, these doctors that are finding these things that work, they're not crazy. They're, they're maybe a little bit sort of uh, 
on the edge of saying, hey, let's let's start to do this. People are dying of, of opiate addiction. People's lives are decimated by things like fibromyalgia. Let's stop waiting to do something about it and let's normalize the 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 real science that's uh, let's normalize the treatment that the real science has proven. So that's exciting. That's right. Yes, and that, that's partly why we're so excited to, to help you get the word out there. I think that the more doctors you can assist, obviously, you know, my background, the reason I'm in this is my dad was uh, an addict. Um, he was chronic alcoholic uh, when he was alive. And so, but he got help, but he, it would have been a lot better if he still fought it every day, pretty much. So he was, he was under the old school where you, you have to just one day at a time, you had to fight it, white knuckle it and do your thing. That was my, uh, my granddad. Um, quit drinking and quit smoking. And uh, when he was in his thirties, I never knew him when he smoked or drank, right? And I asked him one time, I said, so was that hard? What was that like? And he said, you know, it's interesting. I think every person's different for me. I really haven't ever missed alcohol. If I smell smoke, oh, wow. What I wouldn't do. And he passed away long before I had this change in my career, but I think, wouldn't it have been nice to be able to give these amino acids to my grandfather? And wouldn't it have been nice to help him reprogram his brain so that he didn't feel that. He didn't constantly feel that that um, hole in him, that he just had to be super strong, right? Um, and, and, and it really comes down to biology and psychology and that, and that we can be healed. I don't think that there's a disease out there that we can't be healed of. We just haven't figured it out yet. So if we haven't figured it out, we got to keep on. That's great. Well, we're almost done wrapping up the show today. It's been fantastic. I think we could probably talk to you for a couple of hours and keep getting all this. Yeah, I'm sorry I talk too much. (laughs) No, no, that's great. That's what we want. But if you can think just of all the things you've shared with us today, is there a question I haven't asked you that you want to tell us a little bit about your clinic or about your outlook on life or about where you see uh, Whole Health Medical Group morphing into uh, that we haven't said already? Um, I, I guess I would just say as physicians and as patients, um, we live in one of the most exciting times ever. We live in the information age, which is why things are revolutionizing. We live in a time where a patient can know more about what's going on than their doctor, not because they went to four years of medical school and four years of residency, but because they spent four hours every night trying to read about it online. And if we as doctors will listen to them when they come in and bring us an article, we'll be better off. And if patients will be patient with their doctors as we make that transition, we'll we'll adapt, we'll learn, and we'll start to work together. And I really see that happening. There's a great book called The Patient Will See You Now. Um, That changed me. That made me say, wait a minute, who who am I working for? Um, So to all the patients out there listening, be patient with us. We, we will catch up to the needs that you have. For those doctors or patients that might want to look into more information about your group and about you, uh, what do you recommend they do to learn more about you and uh, so maybe even website, become a patient? Yeah, our website is wholehealthutah.com. Um, go on our website, um, look at the things that we do. We are constantly doing another thing. And so it's not always all on there. I wish it were. In fact, I'm not even sure that the amino acids are listed on there. Um, but call my office, talk to my uh, my office manager. My office 
um, you know, is they they want they they are I love my staff because they want to help people get well, right? And so our office number is 801-607-5268. Call my office and just say, hey, I wanna find out what you guys do. I have a partner, Ann Bowden, who's a nurse practitioner, she's phenomenal. She'll do a free consult with anybody that calls and sort of explain what we do, talk to you about what's going on and see if there's some way that we can help. So a free consult is something that we always do with every patient that wants to find out if what we do can help. So just call and say, look, I want a free consult with, with Ann. We'll That's see. great. Well, the price is right. So if they, they want to get well, I, I recommend they go there. I know that when I was visiting Utah, uh, I went in to see you, you were out of town speaking, but uh, I was a little bit under the weather and they gave me a, a it wasn't really the Myers drip or whatever, but it was some similar cocktail and it knocked my flu out or whatever I was just about to get. And it was, uh, it was tremendous. I was, I had to go to a show for three days afterwards. And I know one of your office staff, Craig, came by and I'm like, I feel great. I mean, it was like, took me from being in low level energy, you know, fighting something to just uh, boosted it. And uh, that's why I saw your room, which is uh, designed perfectly. I mean, it has nice recliners, these human touch chairs, and you, you kick back and relax and you're doing the IV drip. You can do the brain tap at the same time. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic, uh, and you have other technologies in there that we didn't get a chance to talk about that. Yeah, we have a bunch of technologies. We do yeah. have got pulse electromagnetic field. We've got so many things. Um, I Call and find out. I, I, I know that if you have a body, that there are things that we can do to help your body, right? Whether you're healthy, whether you're sick, that's how medicine should be. And there's other physicians out there that, that are just like me, and we, we just need to keep moving the needle in the right direction. And I appreciate what you do, Patrick. I think your technology added to my, to my practice has changed the lives of hundreds of people. I wanted actually to tell a story, and I don't know if you have even time for it, but there was a little kid that came into my office and he was bouncing off the walls. I was seeing his dad. And I said, you know, he's while, while we're talking, do you mind if I just put this on your son, see if this will help him at all? And he's like, oh, well, he can't sleep. He'll be up till three in the morning. He doesn't sleep at all. And in school, they, they he's only allowed to call us three or four times a day during school. Well, we slip on the brain tap. And this kid slumps down and falls asleep within 15 seconds. It was amazing. And when he took it off, um, we'd finished the visit. You know, he was quiet enough that I could finish the visit with his dad. He took it off and he turned to his dad and he said, can we take that home? It was amazing. And this, is, this kid is like seven. It was amazing. Um, and yes, they do have one at home. And his dad is like, you, you healed my kid. Max is so much different. Um, so I just love that. I love that about medicine that we we should learn more and we should add more. So I appreciate what you do as well, Patrick. Well, that's great. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing it for our listeners. So yeah, we do a lot with children, uh, but we're here basically to tell people there is alternatives. And I think you're one of the pioneers in that. Whether you're on the tail end or the front end, most people out there, 95% of the people don't even know this exists. They think if it doesn't come with a prescription bottle, they can't be healed. And they don't understand that there's more to medicine than just prescribing or going through a checklist, as you said. So I appreciate what you're doing. And I hope that we can uh, get some other doctors to give you a call, see how they can learn from you, develop their, yeah, their clinics. Wants to talk to me. I love to talk to doctors and say, hey, I think this is a great way to learn about this. And, and so please call. You don't have to just call if you're a patient. So That's great. And we will put all of your contact information on the podcast website so they can they can just go there if they didn't get a chance to write it all down so the phone number will be there the website and uh, we look forward to seeing you again once i'm in in utah again or maybe at a show that we're both at 
some snow here. You have snow there. Yeah. We need it here so we can <laughs> together yeah yeah it's a little uh we could probably ski down in my front yard usually we, we <laughs> the neighbor kids come down and start because we have a big hill out front of our house so uh, i don't think we could ski on it but it's a, it's a pretty good size so that's great well again thank you for being a guest on the show we look forward to learning more about what you're doing and, and helping to share that with the brain tap universe that we have and uh, thanks for being a part of what we do you're welcome and thank you so much